0: Good morning and welcome to this assembly. Have your Bible ready. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, please. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. If you're visiting with us today, if you don't mind, would you fill out a visitor's card and leave that information with us so that we can stay in touch with you. Whether you do that or not, We are so pleased that you came to be with us and hope that you will come back and get to know more about us if you live in this area. If not, we bid you Godspeed in your travels. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, for you were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love, serve one another. I want us to take a look at the last three words I've read in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. Serve one another. And I want to say this to you. There is a rich history in this church of putting this imperative to good practice. I've been here a long time and I could provide testimony, several narratives of how members of this church have served one another just as it is written in Galatians 5:13. So, when the elders set up goals for us this year, there was no idea that this is something entirely new or that we see negligence in fulfilling Galatians 5.13. Instead, our discussion went something like this. Can we do better? And we believe we can. And do we need to remember and review this command? And we believe we do. So as we thought about goals for emphasis this year, we included serving one another better. And I want to address that this morning. I want to take us to three passages in the New Testament to refresh our knowledge and add to our motivation to serve one another. And in each case, good reference will be made to the context of that verse. And we're going to start right here in Galatians 5.13. With this verse, we read, listen to it again. For you were called to freedom, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now the context... In Galatians 5, is the subject of freedom. Look with me at the beginning of the chapter. Beginning of Galatians 5, an important announcement is made in verse 1 For freedom, Christ has set us free. In the Bible, sin is described as bondage, slavery servitude to the devil about that Jesus said one time in John 8 34 whoever commits sin is a slave to sin now the only way to be freed from the slavery of sin is to embrace and accept the freedom from sin Christ died for us to have So when the enslaved sinner comes to Christ, believing in him, repenting and submitting to him in baptism, freedom from sin becomes that person's gift. For freedom has Christ set us free, Paul said to Christians in the area of Galatia. Now... What do you do once you are set free from the slavery of sin? What now? One thing you do, having been freed from sin, is you serve. You were a slave to sin, as Paul described in Romans 6. But now, having been freed from sin, buried with Christ in baptism, you are a servant of are a slave of God. So now that you're freed from sin, you serve God. In serving God, what will you do? You'll serve others. And as Christians who are united together locally, we will desire to serve one another and activate that service in the best way we can. It is important to make this distinction. Being served and serving. Most of us must admit that we enjoy being served when people attend to us and provide for us and encourage us and help us and bring things to us and give to us. Boy, that sounds good, doesn't it? We like that. Sometimes we like it too much there is a dangerous tendency to become covetous of people serving us and reaching a point where our main focus is wanting attention, being catered to, and becoming so obsessed with being served, we neglect being servants. Now, how do you solve that? How do you process that in your head and then in your life? We need an example. And we have one. Guess what his name is? Jesus, of course, who said in Luke 22, 27, I am among you as one who serves. This is all I should need to want to know about serving and to get busy serving. Jesus served. He served in such a capacity at such an extreme. He died to freed me from sin so that I could serve God and serve others and serve my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And do it not just out of some dry sense of obligation, What does it say in Galatians 5.13? Through love, serve one another. If we neglect serving one another, we're going to become stale and decayed and eventually apostate. I found this illustration the other day. The great violinist Nicola Paganini willed his marvelous violin to Genoa, the city of his birth. But only on condition that the instrument never be played again. It was an unfortunate condition, for it is a peculiarity of wood that as long as it is used and handled, it shows little wear. As soon as it is discarded and not touched and not used, it begins to decay. So the exquisite, mellow-toned violin has become worm-eaten in its beautiful case, valueless, except as a relic. The moldering instrument is a reminder that a life withdrawn from all service to others can lose its meaning through love serve one another can we do that better first peter chapter 4 in verse 10 addresses our subject our subject is serving one another and this time it is going to be viewed through the words of the apostle peter in first peter 4 in verse 10 where he said, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the most important concepts in the Bible and one of the most important concepts in the New Testament is stewardship. Stewardship not only important but very easy to define though we may be challenged to practice it stewardship combines these two elements one we are not owners we are not owners we are only holders of what God has granted to us Two. We are to use what we hold expressive of God's grace, imitating His generosity. That's stewardship. God is generous. His people are to be generous with what He allows us to have for a while. Generous with what God allows us to hold during our earthly sojourn. So, here is the question... How am I using what God has allowed me to hold for a little while? Now, explore that, and it will have to be personal. I can't explore it for you, and you can't explore that for me. The question is, how am I using what God has allowed me to hold? Here's some of the questions that may help you navigate the inquiry. Has God given you time? Has God given you money? Has God given you talent? What gift is it that you have? You are not empty-handed. Nobody here. You're not empty-handed. Can you encourage someone? Can you listen to someone pour out their heart of grief and then pray with them? Can you just say to someone, Thank you for who you are and what you do, even if they are not perfect? Can you give somebody a ride to the doctor with your car and your time? Can you take some food to someone? Can you adopt a child? Several in this church have. Can you hold a Bible class in your home? Can you sit with someone who needs comfort? Maybe quietly, maybe not a constant stream of conversation, just be there. And I could go on and on. Stewardship is using what God has graced you to have. "...in such a way that you exhibit his generosity, that you act in the interest of the cause of the kingdom." David Livingstone said, "...I place no value on anything I have or may possess except in relation to the kingdom of God. If anything will advance the interest of the kingdom, it shall be given away or kept... Only as by giving or keeping it, I shall most promote the glory of him to whom I owe all my hopes in time and eternity. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Can we do that better? 1 John 3, 17 and 18. 1 John 3, 17 and 18. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? This is simple. If I have what my brother needs, yet I close my heart against him, I have failed the test John gives in first John three, seventeen and eighteen. The love of God does not abide in me, and I'm against my brother. Now, so far I've not given any interpretation. I'm not into exposition. I'm not into commentary, we're just working now with what this says. I'm talking about what it says. If I have what my brother needs, yet I close my heart against him, I have failed the test. That means the love of God does not abide in me, and it means I am against my brother. I didn't hit him physically. I didn't insult him verbally. I didn't conspire with others against him. I just didn't give him what he needed that I had. John says, I closed my heart against him. Do you know what this relates to? You may remember and you may have already in your mind made a journey back to the text. It often occurs to me that when we read the epistles, the groundwork for the ethical imperatives in the epistles are back in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this is the case. You may remember Matthew 13 where Jesus said, I was a stranger and you took me in. You remember that? I was sick or I was in prison, or I was hungry, and you responded, you opened your heart, you shared what you had. And in that service, you were responding to me, Jesus said. You did it to one of my disciples, you helped one of my disciples, you visited, you fed, you put clothes on the body of one of my disciples, but in doing that, in responding to their need, you did it unto me. Matthew 25. And that's reflected here in 1 John 3, 17 and 18. Listen to it again, please. If anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. It is one thing to know what love means. It is one thing to be able to identify All the varied words used in the Greek language translated love in the New Testament. It's one thing to be able to recite all that to others and remember that over time and know every passage the Bible speaks of love. But John says, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Serving God cannot be authentic when you attempt to carry out that service completely isolated from people and from your spiritual family. Off in a cave, off in a monastery, a retreat in the woods. Serving God always means following Jesus into good responses to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You can have perfect attendance, an impressive array of scriptural knowledge. You can have a reputation far and wide. But if you're pushing what these passages teach out of your consciousness, out of your life, Making excuses. The question is, are you really serving God? Remember what Jesus said, when you served the need of one of my disciples, you did it unto me. There are going to be follow-up sermons delivered this year to inform and motivate us toward being better servants to one another. Should you need our help in some public way, in response to the teaching of Scripture, in obedience to the gospel, in repentance and coming back to the Lord, we invite your good responses as we stand together to sing.